Well, happy Thanksgiving uh, weekend. I hope you guys are doing amazing out there in um, the world, wherever you may live, and that uh, God is doing great things in your family and in your life. Today, we are going to begin a new series, a whole new series. Uh, we're moving out of uh, the old series that we've been talking about for weeks and weeks. And I'm excited about this new series, and I hope we can accomplish three things as we move through this series. Here they are. Number one, that we will see the greatness of God, like with our eyes. We'll see how amazing the Lord is. Number two, we will be encouraged by the greatness of God. And number three, God will impact our spirit and our life in a powerful way because of the things that we're going to talk about over the next few weeks. And so the title of our new adventure is Our God of Wonders. Our God of Wonders. And I hope this is just an encouragement to us. It might prod us in some different ways as we think about some of these things that I want to point out over these weeks. But that, that we, will, we will see the, the greatness of God, the wonder of God, the awesomeness of God. And we will want God to do something awesome and crazy through our lives. That's what my hope is, is that will happen. In Psalm chapter 77, verse 14, the scripture says, You are the God who does Wonders. That is just who our God is. He is a miracle-working God. We just spent a whole series talking about uh, that God is the God of miracles, that he does the impossible. He said, the psalmist says, you have declared your strength among the peoples. And so our God is a God of wonders. And I hope this will motivate us, prod us, and lead us to honoring God and share his amazing love with people around us. That's what I hope will happen as a result of this encouraging word over the next holiday season as we move through these holidays. Uh, this time of Thanksgiving, and then we move toward the birth of Christ, and we, we, the world is thinking about Christmas and what that really means. And we get an opportunity to point people to Jesus and encourage people in this world who are, who are really living in a world, in a country right now that is just being hammered. I mean, from one side to the other side, we are being like hammered down. And what we need, what I need, what you need, what we all need, and what people out there in the world need is an encouraging word. And nothing, nothing else will do that greater than what we just talked about, God stepping into our life, but also knowing and seeing that our God is a God of wonders. And I hope that moves you. Uh, there's just two points to this message, two main points that I want to share with you. And the first point that I want to share with you is this. Number one, the God of wonder in our world. I want to talk about the God of wonder in our world over the next bunch of weeks. Now, some of you have heard of what is called the Aurora Borealis. The Aurora Borealis, which is the Northern Lights. We better know them as the Northern Lights. I've never been there. Some of you may have been there, 
but from what I have seen in videos and pictures and what I've heard people say that have been there, this is an amazing, an amazing natural wonder of God. It's, it's a light show in the sky and, and, and one of the most fascinating natural wonders on the planet. And when people go to see this, they see the wonder of God in a mighty, mighty way. The colorful display of lights that invade our planet through, the, through outer space and how it all happens and how it comes to be. What it does, from those who have been there, it says, they say that it creates like this 4th of July celebration of lights, this, this display of lights that, that you can see most of the year, but particularly or especially in the winter months at both poles, the North Pole and the South Pole. It's harder to get to see it in the South Pole because you can't get to it that easily, but there are a number of places in the North Pole where people can go or you can go and see this amazing display of lights. Places like Finland. You can go to Finland and you can see the Northern Lights. You can go to Sweden and see the Northern Lights. You can go to a place called Norway and you can see this display of the Northern Lights and how crazy is that like in the sky this beautiful uh, set of lights you can go to Alaska just go straight north from here and, and go up into Alaska the northern part of Alaska and you can see the northern lights you can see the northern lights from Canada go to Canada go to the Antarctic and you can see this wonderful display of the northern lights in the sky this great wonder of God and you can also see it from the space station or from outer space. This is like looking at the earth and seeing the northern lights from above the earth. And this picture, you can clearly see the space station and a photograph taken from it of the northern lights. What a powerful display of, of magical lights that, that God has uh, that God allows us to see on this earth. And so you might ask yourself, how, how does this even happen? So let me talk about that for a minute. How does this event actually happen that we have this crazy, uh, colorful, powerful pillars of light in the, the North Pole and at the South Pole? Well, here's how it happens. It seems they are coming from fragments from the sun. So here's our sun. And the sun is... Uh, kicking out fragments of itself in different ways. And these, these fragments catch the solar wind and begin moving through the atmosphere, through, the, uh, through outer space. And it, it passes all these other planets, but eventually they arrive at our planet. And there's, uh, at our planet, there's a, a magnetic field around our planet that keeps our planet intact, keeps us safe. And so these, uh, these um, Fragments, they hit, that, they hit that magnetic field or shield and they go around the earth and they, many of them keep on moving past the earth, but some of them make their way into, into our atmosphere through the North Pole and the South Pole. They, they enter into our atmosphere. When they hit our atmosphere and they mix in with nitrogen or, and oxygen, they create these 
colorful displays of arches and uh, pillars and swirls that go hundreds of miles up into the sky and are hundreds of miles wide. They are a natural phenomenon, an incredible, you might even say miracle of God. They are an amazing wonder of God on our planet, a natural wonder of God. And they are an amazing wonder that God has created into this world that we call home. Now, some people would like us to see these things, you know, these amazing these amazing um, display of lights and, and worship them or worship things that are unexplainable to man or, or hard to explain, they're, they're miraculous to man. But, but you and I, what we choose to do is we choose not to worship the things that we see around us, but we choose as believers in God to worship the one who created it all. We choose to worship him. Now, Paul said, Paul said, we choose to worship not, not the lights, but the one who made the lights. Paul said in Romans chapter 1, and this is the danger of our world. This is the danger of the wonders of God on our planet, that they're so incredible and they're so undescribable that people, people mistakenly put them up on a pedestal and look to them, or even the things of this world, the things of our everyday life, as almost like gods. Paul said in Romans 1, the wrath of God, that's not a good thing. That's, the wrath of God is not a pretty thing. It's a day of punishment. It's a day of uh, uh, coming to Jesus and having to give an account for what you are doing with your life. But Paul says the wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since what may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain. Look at this. God, you look around the universe, you look around at the wonders of God and you realize somebody made all this and he's the one that we should worship not the things of the world which is what what people want to do they want to erase god and they want to worship the things that god made is that the foolishness of man or what for since the creation of the world god's invisible quality this is huge god's invisible qualities his eternal power his divine nature have been clearly seen or have been clearly seen being understood from what has been made so that people are without excuse. We know that God exists because of what we can see, the wonders of God, point to the creator of God, right? For although they knew God, they neither glorified him as God nor gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts became darkened darkened big word although they claimed to be wise they became fools and they exchanged the glory of the immortal god for images made to look like a mortal human being and birds and animals and reptiles 
Therefore, God gave them over to their sinful desires of their hearts, to sexual impurity, and to the degrading of their bodies with one another. Verse 25, key verse. They exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served created things rather than the creator who is forever praised. Amen. Amen. Paul says, the God of all creation, the God of all wonders has made all these amazing things and people have got lost on the things and have forgotten about the one who actually made it all. To the foolishness of mankind, the wonders of God are to be appreciated. They are never to be worshipped. These wonders point us to the God who made them all. They point us to something greater. And through what is seen or what is visible, we see something deeper, something greater, something spiritual. We see the spiritual realm of God through the created things of God. Our God of wonders has made multiple wonders on this planet, natural wonders that we're going to explore over the next bunch of weeks. But we see the wonder of God in the world. We look at these things, if you've ever been to some of them, or seen these amazing natural wonders, the Grand Canyon and places like that, and you just stand in awe at the creative ability of our God, right? That's what we do. The wonder of God we see in the world. Number two, secondly, and this is the last point, we see the wonder of God in the word, in the word of God. When we open God's word, when we approach his truth, his glory, his greatness, his wonder, his power, comes shining through. Did you know that Jesus said, I am the light of the world. I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Do you see what Jesus says? He says, I am the light of the world. I am the only light of the world. We're not talking about the light of the sun or the light of the moon. We're talking about the light of the world that gives knowledge and understanding and wisdom and a clarity of direction in life and purpose. Jesus says, I am the light of the world, right? The light of the world. You follow me and you will never walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. Isn't that incredible that Jesus is the light of the world as amazing as the wonders of the world are to us as human beings jesus is an even greater wonder in a very spiritual and real way the lights found at the far northern skies are very magical and they're really neat they are a physical display of what god can do spiritually we see them and they should point us to something greater, something bigger, something eternal. The northern lights may wow you and leave you uh, with some lasting memory if you've ever gone to see them and you, you leave there going, wow, that was a, a great display as you appreciate the wonders of God's creation. But the light of Jesus 
It will change your life and your eternal destination forever. The light of Jesus is the light of life. It is life. It is hope. It is the only life there is on the planet. And without Jesus, there is just darkness. Without Jesus, there is no light. And without Jesus, there is no life. He will light, or his light, his light shining on you will leave you radiating with his glory. When the light of Jesus comes into your life and shines on you and you live your life seeking the God of glory, his light will shine all over your life. In Exodus chapter 34, uh, we read about Moses going back up onto the mountain to get the second set of tablets from God. He came down with the first set of tablets and the people were worshiping a golden calf. They didn't think he was going to come back. And so they're worshiping a golden calf, wishing they were back in Egypt. And Moses gets angry and he destroys the tablets. And so God has Moses come back up onto the mountain and God has Moses chisel out two rocks and God himself writes the Ten Commandments on the tablets. Well, Moses comes down from the mountain in Exodus chapter uh, 34. And in verse 29, let me read what it says there in verse 29. Look what he says. It says, when Moses came down from Mount Sinai with uh, two tablets of the testimony in his hands, he was not aware that his face was, was radiant because he had spoken with the Lord. When Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant, and they were terrified to come near Moses. But Moses called them, and so Aaron and all of the leaders of the community came back to him, and they spoke to him. And afterward, all of the Israelites came near him, and he gave them all the commands that the Lord had given him on Mount Sinai. When Moses finished speaking to them, he put a veil over his face, but whenever he entered the Lord's presence to speak with him, he removed the veil until he came out. And, and when he came out and told the Israelites what he had been commanded, they saw that his face was radiant. And then Moses would put the veil back over his face until he went in to speak with the Lord again. What a powerful display of God's glory on, on a man, on a person, on a human being. Moses' face is shining with the glory of God. The presence of God turned Moses into like a glow bug. And he comes down from the mountain and his face is like brilliantly shining. And they don't even recognize who it is. They are afraid of who it is. It's a powerful display of God's glory transferred to Moses. This bright glory of light from God now is shining on a person on the planet, on Moses. It's been transferred to Moses' life. Aaron and the others are afraid of Moses. They don't, they don't even want to come near Moses. And so Moses has to like put this veil over his face so that they aren't freaked out by him. It's, it's that powerful. It's that scary. It's that intense of a light 
that they're afraid to even come near Moses. You know, the northern lights might excite us. They, they even wow us. What, they make me want to go see them. When I see these pictures of the northern lights, I want to go uh, up to Alaska or up into Canada or somewhere up there and, and see this site. Seems to be like amazingly awesome. But when you walk away from the northern lights, they don't come with you. Unless you maybe take a picture or two of them. They don't come with you. They stay right there. But God's light, when you spend time with God in his word, his light covers you. His light changes you. It transforms you. And it radiates your life. His light is a light unto our path, right? He illuminates your walkway and he, he illuminates your life as you live on this planet and you walk away shining brightly for Jesus, shining like stars in the universe. You know, Jesus kept saying to his disciples, I am the light of the world. He would say that to them on a number of occasions over and over. I am the light of the world. I am the bread of life. I am food that came down from heaven. I am the light of the world. Jesus would say that. But before he left them, Jesus said to his disciples, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. He said to them, let your light shine, right? Before men, that they might see your good deeds and glorify your father who is in heaven. See, Moses comes down from being with God. Right? And the glory of God has been transferred to Moses because Moses spent time with God. And his face is radiating with the glory of the Lord. That's powerful. That is so cool that the God of wonders wants to rub off on you and me. When you come to Jesus, your life is, is going to shine brighter with his glory. A very similar thing happens in Matthew chapter 17. Jesus, remember, took Peter, James, and John, that inner circle with him, up onto a real high mountain. And up on that mountain, he, he met with Elijah, who had been dead for a long time, and Moses, who had been dead for a long time. And, and Jesus is transfigured before them. There's this transfiguration that happens up on this mountain. Peter, James, and John are there, and they're going to witness this. And in Matthew 17, the scripture says this. It says, and he was transfigured before them, before Peter, James, and John. And the scripture says, his face shone like the sun, and his clothes became white as light. So bright a light that it looked white. That's how pure and how clear this light of God is, right? What an amazing thing. The wonder and the power of God's penetrating light shining before men. That God allows people, he allows us to come into the presence of his glorious light. The northern lights are insane. 
but the light of heaven has come to earth and we get to come into that light. Well, Peter says, they're up on this mountain, Peter says to him, Lord, you know, it's, it's really cool that we're here. It's good that we're here with you. How about we build some tents and we just kind of hang out here for a while. And when he was speaking, this cloud comes and this voice spoke loudly out of this cloud. And the voice says to him, this is my son in whom I am well pleased Listen to him. I can just imagine, imagine Peter's like thinking, man, this is cool. Let's hang out a while. And all of a sudden this voice speaks. And, and the scripture says that the disciples did a face plant. Like they just were, they fell to the ground, faces to the ground. And they were terrified, terrified. Can you imagine? I don't think we can imagine this. But if the glory of God shone around you, any human being would die. I would just think that our brains couldn't handle what was going on and, and we just, poof. or our hearts, our hearts would be so like the excitement and the shock value and all of it, all at once so quickly would just like, would just like blow up our whole bodies. It seems like we would just die at the glory of God. And, and Jesus comes over to them and they're on the ground and they're terrified, probably shaking like babies. And Jesus touches them and they don't die. Like this powerful, incredible light of God comes into them and all over them and they don't die. And, they, and then Jesus touches them. What a powerful, powerful moment. The power of God. The wonder of God's brilliant light on full display for mankind, for people. The glorious light of heaven has come. How awesome. The God of wonders has sent his light into the world. In John chapter 9, there's another story. Jesus is walking and he comes up to a guy who has been blind from birth. And Jesus, uh, you know, there's some questioning going on. This man is physically blind. And there's some questioning going on about who sinned and why this guy blind. And Jesus clearly says to them, look, his parents didn't sin. This is not a result of his parents' sin. It's not a result of his sin. But Jesus says, this, this has been done so that the work of God would be displayed, would be shown, would be made known. And then Jesus goes on to say, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. The night is coming. The night is coming when no one can work. Jesus said, while I'm in the world, I am the light of the world. And so we got this guy comes to Jesus and he is blind. He hasn't seen anything ever. He was born blind. He's never seen a tree. He's never seen the sun. He's never seen the northern lights. He's never seen a person. He's never seen a teacup or a loaf of bread. He has never seen. He's touched it. Might be able to visualize it inside his head. But he has never never seen it. He is physically, physically blind. And so Jesus is going to take this blind man and he's going to teach a very deep spiritual truth through the blind man and because of the blind man to all that are listening. And so Jesus spits on the ground and he makes some mud and he takes the mud and he puts it in the guy's eyes. He smears it in the guy's eyes. But he tells the man, go and wash in the pool. The man goes, he washes in the pool, he can see, and he goes home seeing. 
He is physically healed by Jesus and physically observed by all the people who witnessed this amazing miracle that wowed the crowd. One thing that we would call a wonder of God, that he made this blind man from birth see again. But this is the lesser work. See, everything Jesus did on the earth that people were wowed by because they saw a miracle, they're all the lesser work. They're all physical things. He made a lame guy walk. He made a blind guy see. He made a deaf guy hear. Nice, great, wonderful, but earthly, human, the lesser. Remember, Jesus said, you'll do greater things than I have been doing. I mentioned that last week. And those greater things are spiritual things. When you lead someone to Jesus, you share Christ with somebody and they come to give their life to Jesus Christ and their soul is saved, that is a greater thing than this man's eyes being opened. As cool as this is. There's the greater things and there's the lesser things. There's a light that you can go to at the northern uh, part of our planet and see, and it's amazing and it'll wow you, but it's the lesser thing. The greater light of the world is not the northern lights. The greater light of the world is Jesus. Notice what Jesus is getting at, though, when he's talking to this man. It says this, this happened, this happened, so that the works of God might be displayed through him. See, this is much bigger. This event in this blind man's life and the disciples witnessing and the people around seeing it, this event is much bigger than eyeballs, ears, legs, hips. It's bigger than things. It's bigger than our body parts. It's a spiritual. Jesus says, as long, as long as it is day. Now he's referring to the daylight. They're probably thinking, oh yeah, okay, it's light out. In a little while, it's going to get dark and everybody goes home and goes to bed. Jesus says, as long as it is day or as long as the light is here. And he's referring to himself as the light. As long as the light is here, as long as God's presence are on the planet, as long as God's present presence is here in this runaway, rebellious world, there's day. There will be day as long as Jesus' presence remains on the planet. And he says, while it is day, while his presence is here, we, we, us, like he's referring to himself, he's referring to the disciples, he's referring to all those who will follow him. We must continue to do the work of the kingdom. The kingdom work. We must, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. See, you and I are included in that we. We are now part of the we. If we have come into the light and we have accepted the light and our life is now glowing with the light, it's our job to continue to do the work that Jesus came to do. He said, he said, night is coming. The night is going to come. Physically, the day is going to end. The night is going to come to get it. But he's not talking about sun up, sundown, and nighttime. He is talking about not physical day, not physical night, but the night of evil. The night of evil and darkness. He's referring specifically to the ultimate work of Satan as Satan uses people to carry out his evil plan against Jesus 
nailing Jesus to the cross. Specifically, Jesus is talking about the day is not always going to be here. The night is going to win for now. But as long as my presence is on the planet in you, then day is still here. The light is still up among the people, or there's still hope for the planet. His presence physically and his presence spiritually in you and me. He says, while I am in the world, look what he says at the end, verse 5, while I am in the world or while I am this dark, rebellious planet, for now, physically and in his followers, he says, as long as I'm here, I am the light of the world. His light is able to not only make the blind man see physically, but his light is able to make you and me see spiritually. His light conquers the darkness. The light of Jesus conquers the darkness. What an amazing story of this man. You know, the wonder of God, the wonder of God is a marvelous, marvelous thing. And we see it in many, many places. But the wonder of God in the world is seen by the human eye. We get, to, we get to witness these things physically on this planet. Like the northern lights, we get to go and see places like that. But the wonder of God, the wonder of God in the word is seen in the spiritual work of Jesus both then on the planet, through his disciples, and now through his Holy Spirit that is living in you and me. The transforming, transferring, radiant light of God. It seems so simple that this light would come into our life and shine. It seems like a simple truth to kind of grab onto, but it's so very powerful. So very, very powerful. C.S. Lewis in the Chronicles of Narnia, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Talks, uh, he talks to the kids, or he talks about the kids being careful uh, about the tricks of the enemy. Remember, they go through the closet, they're in Narnia. And in Narnia, there's this witch, this evil witch, that has put a curse on the land of Narnia so that it's always winter, but it is never Christmas. And they're trying to reverse the curse. And Aslan, the lion, is going to reverse the curse later on in the story. But, 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 but they're being told to be careful of the tricks of the wicked witch. One of those tricks being Turkish delight. Turkish delight. A yummy dessert. Sounds good. Looks good. Tastes good. Extremely, extremely addictive. The poison of Turkish delight is that once eaten, you want more, and you want more, and you want more, and you want more, and pretty soon you fall under the spell of the witch because she has what you want. And other things fade away as you begin to lock in to that addictive dessert, that delicious, scrumptious dessert, Turkish delight. Bigger and better. More stuff, more stuff. The desire for more stuff and less of what matters. And we begin to exchange things that matter for things that are very pleasurable. Never satisfied, very spoiled. 
It's the American way. It's the American way and the wicked witch has cast a spell on people today in our day. Us. Where we want more. Where our mind has gotten locked on the things that don't matter. And we have forgotten the things that do matter. And like most things that are good, they're not bad, they're good, but they can quickly become addictive. And then you no longer have it, but it now has you. And you find yourself drowning in the things that are materialistic and physically addictive. Paul said in that Romans passage, they exchanged the glory of God for created things. And they worshiped and served created things rather than the creator. This holiday season, this holiday season, you know, we give thanks this time of the year. We give thanks for the blessings that God has given us. That's what Thanksgiving is all about, right? It's about giving thanks for the way God has blessed our lives. And what we do as believers and our eyes are on Jesus, we stay humble and we find joy and we find purpose in giving away our life. Not gathering, giving it away. Being a blessing and pointing souls to God. Keeping the priority of our faith intact. That's what we do when we give thanks. We're brought back to the one who gave, not to the gifts, not to the stuff. Whether we have a lot or we have a little, Paul said, I have learned to be content with whatever. I don't need all the stuff when I have Jesus. And we give thanks for Jesus. We also celebrate during this holiday season, the birth of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And we give thanks that God the Father sent him the first time and we look forward to his return with eager expectation. We are sitting on the edge of our seat waiting for Jesus to come back. And until he does, we're gonna do all we can to serve him and honor him and spread the good news of the kingdom. That's what we're gonna do. We will not, we will not conform to the pattern of this world. We refuse to do that. We will not be consumed by the treasures of this earth. And we will not worship created things or be carried off by the things that will perish. We will keep the priority of, on the one who is king the, and the mission that he has set before us. And we will give thanks to the one in whom all blessings flow. He is our God. He is our God of wonders and we will worship him. We will appreciate the beauty and the wonder of the things that God has made. But we will worship and only worship the God of wonders who is Jesus. Jesus, God's only son, who is the light and the life of this world. Have a great holiday season. God bless you guys. I'll see you next week.